This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. And so here we find ourselves. Shag, we're out of the podcast where I tried to help you with your food aversions. And we're into a podcast where I'm here needing your help to help me through my aversion. Scary movies, Shag. I can't, I can't handle them. Never been able to handle them. Now, the thing about Fussy Eater is that you don't believe that I can't <laughs> deal with uh, common oh. foods like avocado and mushrooms and eggs. I genuinely <laughs> don't believe that you can't deal with scary movies. And for anybody who is also like me right now, thinking, Peach, you're kind of making this up. Yeah, I've been at a low level of anxiety and tension <laughs> since we formalised this idea from a bit of a thought bubble into a podcast. Now, let's talk about this idea straight up, yeah, right? Yeah. So, the idea is, as Peach said in that intro very clearly, <laughs> yeah. is that Peach can't deal with scary movies. And one of the th- things we thought of is kind of like some very low-level exposure therapy in which instead of just showing him a scary movie, which is far too much for someone who can't deal with them, <laughs> is we take him through the Wikipedia synopsises of scary movies. So, he's still... Still hears and imagines all those scary story beats, but he doesn't have to deal with all the filmmakers' techniques that make them so scary. So this might help Peach get over his fear of scary movies. I'm the perfect candidate to never watch a scary movie, Shag. I sort of feel like you couldn't come across a better never watch a scary movie person than me. Um, Some of this you'll agree with and some of this will be news. Now, firstly... I hate dramatic tension <laughs> of any kind. What, what do you even mean by so, that? Like, just to take the example of um, The Office. Remember The English Office? Yes. Where there'd be, like, moments of anxiety and I'd just be like, oh, no, no, I can't. Ugh. And it causes me real genuine physical, like, no, 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 this sort of level of tension, I can't deal with it. And scary movies I associate with really leaning into that tension. Okay. So... Hate them. Hate the idea of sitting there being like, where's the killer or whatever it is. Blurf. All right, Peach. Number two. Um, I faint uh, when blood is around. Oh, my gosh. This is so This is so true. And I would like to relay a story yeah, that I was I'm present not, I'm not for. Lying. No, no. This, this is definitely not a lie. A couple of years ago, we were having a bit of a birthday celebration at famed Bondi Ribs restaurant, mm-hmm. Hurricanes. And... It's not like there was any, you know, obviously they're, they're very juicy ribs and there's probably some blood in there. But we were just talking about blood. 
purely mm. because uh, my partner Adele is a nurse and I think she was relaying a nurse story. So there was no blood to be seen. Peach just had the idea of blood in his head. Mm. He started feeling a little bit faint and Peach being a classic jokester, we were like, <laughs> classic Peach, <laughs> pretending to feel faint. And because it's like when someone starts to feel faint, it always feels like something in a movie. Someone's like, oh, I feel a bit faint. You're like, what's even going on? This is weird. But then Peach fell off his chair, fell onto the ground and completely fainted in the middle of a crowded room, even even for Peach, that's too far. <laughs> even for the original prankster. <laughs> even, even for someone who is known for his bits, that felt that felt far too far. So we knew something was wrong. So I can vouch for that. <laughs> well, Shag, mine, you, you know, my most recent faint, uh, of course, saw me taken to hospital in an ambulance Jeez. with me hurriedly drafting my will. It was my. Um, <laughs> My vasovagal convulsive syncope. Wow. So this is this, I'm scared of blood nerve. That's your vasovagal nerve. I think goes from your sinuses down to your heart. Convulsive means you bounce up and down on the ground. And syncope, as I understand it, is a faintish, seizure-ish event. So I am a little bit scared of blood. And I understand... So just sort of from my broader knowledge that horror movies might contain a bit of blood. So I feel it best that I... I think I'm well adapted to avoid uh, horror movies because of that blood. So what have we got? We've got my disease with... Dramatic tension. Dramatic tension. We've got fainting at the sight of blood. We've got the fact that I am really easily startled. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if I'm in a task or if I'm just looking in a different direction to wherever you are and you make your presence known, there's every chance I will jump out of my chair and go, oh! So I think, I think what's great about this uh, podcast and how it's going to help you is you're going to be able to get used to the idea of these horror movies, but because we're doing it through Wikipedia synopsis rather than just showing them to you which would be far too much because remember this is like exposure therapy okay okay in a Wikipedia synopsis, there's no dramatic tension. So there's none of those filmmaker techniques. Yep. There's no jump scares, so you won't be easily startled. Any, there will be some mentions of like blood and guts and viscera, but it'll be in a very detached clinical style that you know is the hallmark of Wikipedia. So I feel like this is going to be the way to get you through these films. Now, you've given me a list of films that you're kind of interested in, and uh, we're going to take you through these films one at a time. So I'm the perfect candidate, I say, to never watch a horror film. Um, What Wikipedia cannot solve, what the avoidance of the jump scare, the avoidance of the director's art and the actor's artistry and whatever else cannot avoid is the other thing that gets me about horror movies, um, I presume, is the feeling of real existential dread. So um, I reckon we've spoken another time about the fact that it's not so much monsters or big scary monsters that, that scare me. Like monsters that's sort of scary in a general way of you know it wouldn't be nice to be killed by a monster for me the ones that that really get me is the idea of like a sort of hell dimension of being like no peach i'm not going to kill you buddy but i'm going to carry you off to an eternity of hellish torture or like the dementors in harry potter or something like that of just like no no you're not dying Uh, okay so two things number one i love that one of your frames of reference for scary things is harry potter (laughs) so awesome Uh, but one of the other reasons why I think this podcast is going to be amazing but is going to be challenging for you is the fact that uh, I've looked over your list I've compiled a list of my own and I'm only going to take you through films that I do think have a disturbing angle because I think it's really important that you confront 
these incredibly disturbing ideas that for me as a massive horror movie fan make them enjoyable because I enjoy being scared I enjoy being disturbed that's the point of watching these just, films no you're just meant to feel warm just watch a no. film to feel warm and nice Peach Peach about life Peach and we're going to start today with one of the films on your list oh. and obviously obviously oh. at this point in time if you haven't seen any of the films that we talk about during Spooko don't listen to this until you have if you don't want to be spoiled no don't don't massive, watch them for fuck's sake massive you won't be able to sleep massive spoiler warnings but uh, today Peach um, ugh Right now, I'm going to name this film. Uh, then we're going to quickly watch the trailer with you. We're going to turn the mics off. We're going to watch the trailer. I'm going to come back on and I'm going to take you through the film, okay? You ready for this? Yeah. The film today is a credible film uh, starring Tony Collette in no, some would say... No, this is some, hereditary. In some would say her greatest role ever. Why is there a dollhouse oh, in shot? I'm going to tell you all. I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, today, Peach, we're doing Hereditary. <laughs> Alright, so I've just shown Peach the trailer for Hereditary. I feel like I feel like you dealt with that pretty well. I'm sure you've seen that before because I imagine if if you are this afraid of horror movies, you're probably a bit fascinated by yeah, them. So oh, yeah. I'm sure you've probably seen that before. What yeah. are your thoughts watching that again right now, what this film's about? Um firstly it's it's like the music freaked me out. I was like just that that feeling of dis ease, uh, like of just the scriggly scriggly strings I'm like oh my god this is gonna be some scary stuff coming now luckily you don't have to deal with any of those strings or anything in this uh, Wikipedia plot synopsis which is only uh, seven paragraphs long so it'll be be over pretty quickly okay this is a movie about a witch who casts a spell to put her spirit into her granddaughter and the spell cannot be broken if the model house at their house is maintained there is a stepson from a pre so as a heart there's a perhaps an illegitimate son somewhere along the way who is not meant to be He's sort of messing up the hereditary formula that the grandmother witch had in mind. So and she kills everyone. All right, I'm, I'm gonna, granddaughter. Yeah, I'm going to stop you. So what I'm in- thoroughly enjoying mm. is your innocence towards scary movies. Uh, that retelling of that was would have been the tamest movie ever. <laughs> oh, I shit, think. It would witch and she's got. A- Look, no, no, you weren't 100 percent off the mark, and you'll you'll find that out really soon. But um, let me tell you about hereditary. Okay, now, um, uh, and one of the reasons why I'm super happy to start it start with it is you mentioned before you can't deal with that sort of existential horror oh, and things being no. like disturbing. They get stuck somewhere forever or something. So no, they don't get stuck as models forever. So what? So 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 reviews of this film call it genuinely horrific. I personally like. I loved this film, but I also feel like the world is ever so slightly darker now that it exists and I've seen it. So once you're part of this story, I hope you'll feel the same way because that's the power of Hereditary. It truly is a scary fucking film. So let's start. Okay, it's uh, a few little stats. It's 127 minutes long. 
Oh Christ! Uh, yeah, I thought so, these movies were like eighty-eight minutes. Uh, some of them are long. It's it's it was an incredibly cheap film. It was I'm so only glad made. We're not watching it. I can't tell you how pleased I am. We're not watching it. It was only made for nine million dollars, but it's made like eighty million dollars at the box office. It's been crazy, massive smash hit. Let's get into it, okay? So Annie Graham is Tony Collette. That's Got her it. character. Yep. She lives in Utah with her husband Steve, who is what's his name? He's that we guy. We didn't see Steve. We didn't see Steve, but he's he's a big part of the film. Okay. Um, they're like they're in a kind of they're in a loving relationship. It's fine, but things are clearly a bit strained, as you'll discover soon. They have a 16 year old son, so you're right about not illegitimate. They just have it. She has a 16 year old son, Peter. And a 13-year-old daughter, Charlie, who has... And I don't mean... Like, she has she's an, an interesting odd looking, face. Yeah. She's an odd-looking child. <laughs> she's going to be typecast. And yes. it's a big part of the film, her look. So oh, that man. is a thing. Why? That is absolutely oh, a thing. Okay, yeah. Now, Annie Graham is a miniatures artist, which means she makes those little miniature towns. Now, I saw, I saw this like a year ago, so maybe they do. But from what I remember, it's not a massive part of the film thematically. Like, they visually sometimes go from like the miniature thing to the real thing and it's like a nice what she's making miniatures of her own yeah she makes miniatures of her family and her town and stuff and she's seen as like quite a renowned miniatures artist because she's got this big show coming up that she's preparing for and it takes months to prepare and there's often a bit of an agent calling being like where are these miniatures we've got this show happening and as things progress in the film this show obviously doesn't go ahead as you'll find out very soon all right, so at the very beginning of the film, Annie Graham, which is Tony Collette, is, is at the funeral of her very secretive mother, Ellen Lee, and she's delivering this eulogy where she's basically being like, oh, we didn't have the best relationship, which is probably, like, it's so weird in movies where people deliver a eulogy where it's like, please. <laughs> fuck, fuck this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> It's so dumb. And everyone's just sitting there being like, this is a normal eulogy. (laughs) This is what happens in a eulogy. So anyway, she's delivering this eulogy about their fraught relationship and that sort of sets up the uneasy tone for it. So we never see the mum alive. She's always been dead, but she's a bit of a presence in the film, as you guessed pretty well in your weird recap of what you thought this film was going to be about. So a week after Steve... Oh, yeah, so here's the thing. So Steve, the husband, yeah. is played by Gabriel Byrne. Oh, you know the Gabriel, Irishman yeah. with the dark, dark hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right, so, I'm with you. Great couple, very well acted, very intense, right? So a week after, Steve is informed that Ellen, the mum's grave, has been desecrated, but he decides not to tell Tony Collette because he thinks, well... It's a pretty fucked up thing to happen and I'm not yeah, going to... Let's, you know, let's, let's all relax. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's just chill about it. Meanwhile, Annie thinks she sees her like an apparition of her mom in the workshop where she makes her miniatures. Okay. So this has happened. This is all happening in the first sort of 15 minutes of the yeah, film. Okay. Anyway, so classic Annie, still not able to deal with uh, her relationship with her mom. Is it a support group for people who've lost people? But yes. in the support group, she's also talking about how much her mom was a bitch and how she didn't get along with it. Uh, she also talks about the fact that the rest of her family has suffered from extreme mental illness, which has resulted in the deaths of a lot of people in her family. So that's happened, right? You've, okay. you, you're kind of on board with what's oh, happening man. in this film? Yeah, okay. This is getting real atmospheric right. on me now. Okay. All right, all right. So let's cut to Peter, who is the 16-year-old son. He wants to attend a party 
And uh, to do that, he lies and says it's like a school event. He says, there's a thing we have to go to, blah, blah, blah. Um, Annie is like, cool, you can go, but you've got to take Charlie, your 13-year-old sister, with you, thinking it's a school event. Or, you know, maybe seeing through it, but being like, fuck it. If you take Charlie with you, you can't get out, uh, into too much trouble because you're going to have to look after her. So he decides to. But he's meanwhile trying to like chat up some sexy ladies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Char- uh, Charlie's not having a great time. She does not want to be there. But Peter the son is like, let me chat to this girl. You go entertain yourself over there. Hey, why don't you try some of this cake? Now, she's like, does the cake have nuts in it? Peter's like, of course it doesn't have any nuts in it. Charlie, the 13 year old, is allergic to nuts. So she has some of this cake, and this cake does have some nuts in it. Yes. So she goes into anaphylactic shock. Peter's like, oh my God, I'm about to kill my sister. He immediately goes, I don't have to be this teenager anymore. I have to look after my sister. I do love her. Puts her in the back of the car that he drove to the party in. Now, this it's set in rural Utah, so we're assuming the hospital's quite a long way away. So she's in the back seat, like barely able to breathe. Anaphylaxis, yeah. He is like speeding as fast as he can to the hospital. There's no lights on anywhere. It's very dark. It's very scary. She's like, okay, I I can't breathe. I'm going to put my head out the window to get some air. He sees a weirdly placed dead deer on the road, swerves to miss it. And Charlie is decapitated by a telephone pole on the side of the road. And... If you think that a movie called Hereditary would not show you the decapitated head of a 13-year-old girl rotting in the sun, you are sorely mistaken. That is probably the next scene. It is one of the most confrontingly gross things I've ever seen. Uh, I watched it on a plane, weirdly, and I remember just being like, I hope nobody around me can see what I'm watching because this This is fucked up. This is upsetting. This is really upsetting. It's pretty upsetting. Okay, so that's what happens, right? So Peter's in shock, doesn't know what to do. So he just drives home. Leaves the car in the driveway with his dead sister in the back for his mum to discover. Okay. Which she does, and obviously it's incredibly difficult for everybody. Now, mum kind of blames Peter for this a little bit, and so tensions start to... Not only were there always tensions in the house, you know, tensions between yeah. Annie and her mum, Ellen, tensions between, like, the, the, the son and the daughter. Now there's tensions between the mum and the son, right? So... They have a funeral for Charlie and the family grieves following this, heightening all of these tensions. Meanwhile, Peter, who didn't like he like he was trying to get her to the hospital, is plagued by seeing Charlie's presence all around the house. So he starts to see apparitions of her around the house. How are you feeling about this so far? Oh, I'm at a like I'm fascinated and I need just to, to get to the ending where they kill the witch and we Disney out of this thing. Okay. Um, I'm at a level like I feel like those strings are playing in my head the anxiety strings that we got in the preview of the <laughs> <laughs> like Hans Zimmer strings I'm I'm there alright um, all right. okay alright well look let's let's cut back to Annie who's still going to her support group for the bereaved after one of these groups she's met by a pretty kindly old woman called Joan uh, yeah and Joan's... Is she a wit? Uh, yeah, okay, cool. She's, no, she's just, she just wants to help out. Just chill. Oh, just shit. 
But Annie reveals to her that she used to actually sleepwalk and recounts an incident in which she woke up in Peter, her son's bedroom, to find herself, Peter, and her daughter covered in paint thinner with a lit match in her hand. So she remembers, she used to sleepwalk and she remembers one time she'd coated everyone, well, apparently she'd coated everyone in paint thinner, had a lit match and was ready to uh, make everybody burn. So just as an aside. Yeah. Yep. We're doing Spooko on one spooky night only, right? And we started in the early evening where it was nice and bright outside. And it's just getting a little bit dark now and I'm just going to be interested with how the rest of the night wears on in the darkness. All right, well, look, let, let's keep going. So she's just told this story to Joan, the kindly old woman, and Joan convinces Annie to perform a seance to communicate with Charlie. And Annie's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Joan's like, look, I know, but I've been shown how to do this. It works. Seriously, just all you have to do is read this book, read a few things. You'll be able to communicate with Charlie and you'll be able to put this thing to rest and just deal with it properly because at the moment you're just not dealing with this stuff. Anyway, Annie goes home has another nightmare about all the crappy shit that's going around, obviously, because, you know, like, shit is going down in her world. So she wakes up from this nightmare and convinces her family to attempt the seance. Now, so they do. They are disbelieving. They're like, why are we doing this? Gabrielle Burns there. Peter, the 16-year-old son's there. While they attempt this seance, objects begin to move and break, terrifying Peter, and Charlie seemingly possesses Annie until Steve douses her with water. So there's a point where Annie is actually speaking like she's Charlie until she's splashed with water and she comes back too. At this point, Annie suspects that Charlie's spirit has become malevolent. So this is what she's thinking. She's thinking, okay, now my daughter who's been killed has become an evil spirit. The problem with Wikipedia entries is they will bring things up halfway <laughs> oh, through the that. <laughs> So uh, Charlie used to draw and write all the time and she had this little sketchbook. She had this thing. It was her favorite oh, no, thing, right? No. Um, and they use that for they use that for the seance. So at this point, Annie decides she's going to throw Charlie's sketchbook into the fireplace. But when she does, her sleeve begins to burn. So she retrieves it. So she's like, "Oh my god, something is going on. This is what's happening. Charlie is haunting this house. This is this is a major problem. We have some issues here, right?" Oh my god. Okay. So she retrieves it and heads to Joan's apartment, who told her about the seance, first of all, for advice. But Joan is nowhere to be found. But when she's there, she noticed that Joan's welcome mat resembles her mother's craftwork. She realizes that it looks like something her mum might have made, and maybe Joan knew her mum, who she had a fraught relationship oh, that she was fuck, talking this about. This is a bad time. idea, this podcast. So she goes through her mum's possessions and finds a photo album linking Joan to Ellen. Uh, she also finds something else. What do you think she also finds? Um, a miniature of someone. It's someone's miniature, of a miniature of the mum. She finds another book. It's an old book and it has information about a demon named Paymon. Okay, okay. Now, now look up Paymon. Paymon exists. Paymon is a demon talked about in real life. This is not like a. This is not. We made Paymon up for hereditary. Paymon's known uh, for people who believe in hell and stuff like that. Yep. Paymon exists, right? Um, now, Paymon wishes to inhabit the body of a male host. Annie freaks out a little bit. She goes into the attic and finds her mum's decapitated body there, 
So when we realized that the grave had been desecrated, someone had taken the body, moved it it up to the attic, and it's surrounded with strange symbols on the wall written in blood. So that's cool. All right, so so let's cut to school. Because at the moment, at the moment, all of this is happening over a very short period of time. They're all trying to deal with their shit. They're all very distant to each other at this time. So they don't have a chance to come together and be like, guys, there's some crazy shit happening. Like, let's all work this out as a family. There's a point at school where Peter becomes possessed and slams his head against the desk, breaking his nose. Oh, I saw that in the preview. That that's, was, in the, that's in the preview. That was messed up. That's pretty spooky, right? So meanwhile, back at home, Annie shows Steve her mother's body and the sketchbook. So Steve's her husband. Annie's like, there's some crazy shit going on. I know I probably shouldn't have done that seance, but look, why is my mom up here? What's going on with this sketchbook? We need to solve this. Annie begs Steve to burn the sketchbook so she can sacrifice herself to stop the haunting because she's like, look, I know that she's trying to, like, she must be possessed in this book, right? So... She, I throw it into the thing. I start burning, but I'm okay. I can burn because we need to stop this. This is fucked up. This is awful. She, she's going to kill herself. She's like, she yeah, thinks, I'm yeah. Kill herself. yeah. But Steve, at this point, assumes she's gone mad, accusing her of desecrating Ellen's grave herself. So Steve's like, no, you did this. You've gone crazy. You've always had a weird thing. All of this stuff, all of these seances. Gaslighting her. This yeah, is, yeah, he it. is basically, yeah, yeah. He is the worst kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Annie's like, okay, well, I've got to just do this myself. She grabs the book from her, throws it into the fireplace. But for some reason, she doesn't burn up. Steve bursts into flames and dies. At this point, she becomes possessed. We've got one more paragraph to go. Oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake. Okay, so what's happened here? Daughter's dead, decapitated on the yeah, side of the road. Dad's dead. Dad has just burst into flames Peter's in the family at school, room. Upsetting Peter's in the school. He's school. He's had he's he's had a broken uh, nose. He's had a violent episode where he broke his nose, and mom is possessed. So Peter awakens back at home because at some point he goes home mm-hmm. after again Wikipedia, <laughs> but at some <laughs> yeah. point he's gone from being yeah. at school to being home. He awakens to find his father's body. And no one else in the house. He's like, what the fuck is going on? Annie chases him into the attic. Uh, and when I say chases him, she's like crawling on walls. She is She is not a per- She's not running around being like... I'm going to get you. She's running like, with normal. She is like I'm scared. a twisted body. Like she's all spidery. Like it's... Oh, fuck. It's not... It, it makes me feel creepy thinking about it. Uh, she chases him into the attic, which is decorated with cult imagery. At this point, she levitates, right? So she levitates into the top of the attic and slowly but surely beheads herself with piano wire as we notice that there are naked old people, naked coven members basically just looking on and observing. So he... He goes up this, like, he's just had this experience. He watches this happen and all these people are just looking on. They're not, they're not trying to intervene. They're not trying to hurt him. They're just naked and they're just watching this thing happen. Peter freaks out as you would. He just jumps out the window. It's a two-story house and falls to the ground and sort of knocks himself out. As he lies on the ground, this light enters his body and he wakes up. Hey, on, is it? He notices Annie's levitating corpse goes up into the treehouse where at some point in the movie, we know that it was Charlie's treehouse. It's where she, you know, she was happy to be. So Annie's levitating, decapitating corpse levitates up into the treehouse and Charlie follows. 
uh, sorry, not Charlie follows. Um, sorry, Peter, the sixteen-year-old yeah. yeah, follows. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not going to be able to listen back to this podcast. But when he goes up there, he finds Charlie's crowned severed head. So the head of Charlie is resting atop of a mannequin there as like a kind of statue. Joan is there, the kindly old lady. Other co- other coven members are there. They're all nude. Uh, and the headless corpse of as, and his mother and grandmother are all there and they're all bowing towards him. So Joan now addresses him as... So Joan, Joan is now addressing uh, Peter as Charlie, swears an oath to him as Paimon, stating that he has been liberated from his female host, Charlie, and is free to rule over them. And he just sort of looks at them blankly. And that's the end of the film. So, Peter, how did you feel about Hereditary? Oh, it's upsetting. Like, I, like I sort of feel anxious now. I feel, mm. I feel sort of scared in quite mm. a fundamental way. Um, I feel at risk. Like, like you, you know, like when, they, when these ideas get in your head, Shake, like, is this... Do you like this? It's not that I like that. It's it's about pushing yourself to feel extreme emotions. I think that's the pleasure of a film like Hereditary. Uh, and got- it's also the creepiness of this crazy cult that worship a demon and bring him back to life. And they originally had a host, but it was a girl host and Paymon needs a male host. So she had to die. And then she had the host had to get into They had to convince, like they had to essentially trick. So this seance they did wasn't a seance, but it was a, essentially like conjuring up Paymon to now uh, essentially uh, in infest. Oh, so Charlie, when alive, was Paymon. She was doing Paymon. She stuff. was. She she had been. Yes. Uh, and kindly old Jones, like, oh bugger, Paymon's in Charlie. She was all over it. She yeah. So she can't be in Charlie. We got to kill Charlie. And then it's like now you got to do this seance. They do the seance. Paymon goes into the mum, mm. and then uh, they've got to they've got to show. Then the mum's got to kill herself in front. You know, she's basically got to do yep. crazy rituals to eventually get Paymon into the body of the son. And it happens at the end with that very creepy scene of nude, old, and decapitated oh, yeah. people bowing towards a mannequin slash mangled body statue. We call that a good root of title in property <laughs> law. Shag, this is going to be one spooky night here in FBI. I'm not looking forward to the next spooko. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can, and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?